0: Salam alaikum rahmatullah, he barakatu. Bismillahi rahmani rahim. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillahi Nahmadu when a stainu, when a stofiro, who when Utminu be he when a tawakalu ali. When a rood Shururi and Fusina, who means say ati Amalina, may yahdihillahum fella modilla, or may yodilum fella hadiala. When a shadow Allah, illaha illallah, who rahidahu la sharikala. ونشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا وعزيزنا وكريمنا ورحيمنا ونبينا وَسَنَدَنَا محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأطفاعه وأزواجه وأنصاره وعلينا معهم أما بعد. there is a incident mentioned of Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah الله that his father, Thabit, was one day walking. His name, Imam Abu Hanifa's real name was Nurman bin Thabit. So the father, Imam Abu Hanifa, rahmatullahi alayhi, is walking one day. And uh, he's in a garden. And while he's in that garden, he eats from a fruit that was on the floor, that was on the ground. And the rule in Sharia is that the fruits that have fell to the ground, uh, a individual... That is hungry can go and eat from them. If you are, if you don't have food and there is hunger, uh, the fruit that is in a garden that's on the floor that you can take from them, as long as you know a person satiating their hunger. So Thabit takes a bite from there and then Thabit feels remorseful, and Thabit goes and um, he goes to the owner of the garden and he apologizes and he says, "You need to forgive me because I've made this huge big mistake." Now the owner of the garden knew that Thabit didn't really commit a sin, but then he saw that this person was special, this person was unique. So he says that I'll only forgive you under one condition, you have to marry my daughter. Now for some of you, someone says that you have to do that, you'll be excited because finally someone is saying yes to you. And he says, Okay, he said, But there's a thing. My daughter is mute, she's blind, and she's deaf. So Thabit reflected and he was like, I I don't know if I can marry someone like this. And he says, no. He says, that's the deal. So he says, okay, I'll marry. So he goes and when it's time for him to see the girl, he arrives and he sees that the girl says, As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. And he's like, wait, she's not blind because she saw me. She's not mute because she says salam to me. And he said, wa alaykum as-salam. I thought you were blind. I thought you were this. And she was like, I am blind because I did not intentionally look at anything wrong. I am mute because I did not intentionally hear any backbite or say anything wrong. I am deaf in the same manner. So Imam Abu Hanifa Farah's parents stem from a very righteous two very righteous individuals. And I and I remind this incident because the qualities you exhibit in your life is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take care of your children with. If you have integrity and honesty, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of your children in the same manner. You see, your children will be spitting images of you. The good deeds you do in private will be reflected in your children. The sins you do as well will be reflected in your children. Um, it's an ajib system that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. The good and the bad of the, children, of the parents, the children, they, they benefit from it. So I'll give you an example. In the story of Surah Kahf, uh, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam meets Khadir. And Khadir goes and there's this long journey, right? A part of the journey, there was this wall that was about to collapse. And Musa alayhi salatu wasalam says to them, uh, uh, Khadir says, Khadir goes and fixes the wall. And after he fixes this wall, um, Musa alayhi salatu says, why did you fix the wall? And he says, that um, first he, he tells them that, you know, I told you not to ask me any questions. Then he says, okay, I'll explain, you know, right, no, we no longer are going to be together. I'll give you the explanation of why I did. He says, Abu He says their parents used to be righteous and they left a treasure underneath this wall and they passed away and their children were orphans. So from this verse, the mufassirin in the Qur'an they deduced, that if a person is righteous and even if they pass away young, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of their children. Not only their physical state, but their spiritual state as well. If you look at a lot of the scholars of the past, they were all they they were all orphans. A lot of them were orphans. Imam Ahmad bin Hambar. Uh, grew up in a uh, uh, in an orphan society. Imam Bukhari, Rahmatullah Imam Shafi'i, Rahmatullah A lot of these, were they were born without having that support, that mechanism. And then you have a mother or you have relatives. The Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is a great example. He's born from what? He's born as an orphan. And... The, that is, there, there's a reason why the Prophet sallallahu "Ana wa fil says Me and the one who takes care of an orphan are like this in paradise Look, it's difficult for us to pay and take care of an orphan every month But what if we get together and with our friend group every month Go and do a drive It costs what? $350, $400 to, uh, to take care of one orphan in a month If you have 10 friends If you have 10 friends, you don't think each friend can raise $40? if you have five friends each friend can't raise 80 dollars amongst their family their their friends their social network their uh, their masjids they can't raise that these small actions will propel you into jannah these actions that you do will take you into jannah uh uh in in in, in a manner that is uh that when our prayers become deficient you see allah loves the charitable soul. imam shafi rahmatullah says wa ma kunta qalbin allah uh, he says um uh, وَإِن كَثْرَتْ عُيُوبَكَ فِي تَسَتَّرْ, uh, تستر بِالسَّخَاءِ فَإِنَّ كُلَّ عَيْبٍ يُغَطِّيهِ كَمَا قِيلَ السَّخَاءُ Imam Shafi'i says, if you have a lot of defects and you have a lot of mistakes and you've slipped a lot, then cover that with charity for charity cloaks the defects a individual has. The mistakes you have, and you do a lot of charity, Allah cloaks your mistakes. As long as a person does it for Allah's sake. And and the wisdom behind this is that the one who does charity in privately, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la takes that same curtain that they cast it over their good deeds. Allah casts that curtain, throws that curtain, over their sins and their mistakes as well. So when you do something positive, Allah gives you a response of it. When you do something positive and not even in your life, your children will reap from it. Because we live in an era where everyone's looking for insurance, life insurance, right? You're looking for you're looking for life insurance, you're looking for something to 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 have for your children after you pass away. And I was listening to the radio the other day and there was this conversation with this host that there was talking to this woman and they said that would you trust your children uh with the with money that uh that that comes out of life insurance so the lady says no I wouldn't I trust my children with it she says I'd want it to come you know slowly slowly like in a trust fund So he says, what do you trust your husband with it? And she says, well, I trust my husband with it, but I I wouldn't trust uh, my children with it. And that made me think so, that that was such an interesting point for me because I had a friend um, and, uh, his father passed away when the kid was probably um either in his early tea uh, in his late teenage years or he had just become 20 21 years old so his father leaves him behind an exponential amount of money and what is the first thing the kid does with that money that kid goes and opens a club with that money Right. He goes and he and, and the father was a very righteous individual. Right. There were there were people in his family that were even scholars. Uh, the fa- the father had a very strong inclination to the deen. His mother did. But the wealth that the father left behind did not protect the child, but rather dug a d- deeper grave for that child's uh, uh, hereafter. It dug a bigger problem for that child's hereafter. Whereas, whereas, If you connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have good deeds, you do charity in the dunya at this time, Allah casts a life insurance on your children that if you were to die, Allah will take care of them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will look after them. Anyway, inshallah, I will leave this off over here. And uh, if you have any questions, do comment them below and uh, we'll answer them inshallah. Imam Abu Hanifa's teacher was Imam Hamad bin Abi Sulaiman. He was a black person. Uh, that's interesting, right? Imam Abu Hanifa's inspiration came from a black man and a woman. Um, imam Abu Hanifa used to be a business owner. And he was, uh, he, he was selling his cloths one day. He was the only Imam out of the four Imams that didn't start studying as a child. Everybody else started studying straight as a child. He was the one that started studying when he was like in his 20s. And uh, he was in a store one day and a woman stops by and she asks him a question about talaq and divorce. And Abu for is like, hey, I don't know the answer, but go to the masjid next door and there is a scholar there by the name of Hamad ibn Abi Suleiman and he'll help you out. So she goes, she gets the answer, she comes back and she stops by him and she says, oh, by the way, this was the answer. So he feels so snubbed by that, that he was unable to answer and uh, and give a response, that he goes and that becomes a motivating factor for him to go and study the deen. Um, uh, I I, I like to say the story of Imam Hanifa like this, that... It began when he was a child, right? But when he was a young teenager, one day he was walking across the street, and there was a great scholar by the name of Sharbā. So Sharbā stops him and says, "Sharbā," and he says, "What is your name?" The boy says, "My name is Nurman." He says, "Where are you going?" He said, "I'm going to work." So Sharbā looks at him, and this was a godly individual, wala person, right? He looks at Imam Abu Hanifa and he said, "You don't have the," he says, "You don't have the face of a worldly individual. You have the face of a scholar. You have the face of a scholar." And those words that Imam Abu Hanifa heard as a child, that was the seed that was planted. This woman later on, and there was another woman, they watered it. She was one woman, and there was a second woman, That she, there was a necklace, a golden necklace on the ground. And Imam Abu Hanifa was walking, so she pointed towards it. Imam Abu Hanifa thought that, okay, she dropped her necklace, she needs help. She picks it up to give it to her, and she smiles and she laughs, and she says, now you have to find the owner. Rabbi Hanifah didn't even know the rulings at that time that if you find something on the ground, you shouldn't pick it up, you should leave it there. So these two women, they become the people that water, that seed that Shu'bah had planted. And that's why we say all the time that go to the godly people, take your children to wali people, to godly people, because there is a certain barakah and a that Allah has planted in those eyes, in those reflections, in those minds, in those lips, in those thoughts, that when a person says it, that, that barakah and that blessing, it emanates and it goes into that individual and it has an effect on the people ahead of them. Uh, so then Imam Abu Hanifa goes to Hamad ibn Abi Sulaiman and Hamad ibn Abi Sulaiman is a black individual. And imam Abu Hanifa's knowledge stems from it. It's so interesting that the predominantly our Hanafi masjids whose teacher was a black individual don't have a black imam. Um, they, you know, we, we have the Bilal. But if Bilal radiallahu anhu was to come inside with a job interview and had he not been a Sahabi, we would not have hired him. When was the last time you've seen uh, – I mean, it's it's we can sit and say Black Lives Matter when it's the hype to say it, right? We can get up and we can chant it. But if in our Dawats and our parties at home, we don't have black individuals, if you don't – if not – if you're to- – if you, if you don't have – Uh, A group of black friends beyond your token black friend that you possess to say you're not a racist, then you're the same. If your children don't have black friends out there growing up, uh, if you're not integrated in different communities, if you are not looking to invest in a uh, way to grow the black Muslim community, whether it's financially or in the in the in in the homes around there, if you're not looking to do it effectively, then we're also part of the problem. I mean, you can stand up and hashtag BLM all you want when it's popular, right? Uh, The reality is is that Muslims are very uh, emotional individuals. They're very reactive individuals. Especially current day Muslims. Very reactive. We're not proactive. Uh, and the important thing for us is to be proactive and not reactive. Okay, let's take some few questions, few more questions, inshallah. Yeah, no one dodgy. I agree with that. Have I visited Canada before? Yes, I have visited Canada many, many times. There's a Aisha as well. Is using tazbi an innovation? No, there's a hadith in Sunan Nasai. That the prophet ﷺ and the sahaba they would count their dhikr with date seeds they would count it how could that be an innovation everything is not an innovation a bid'ah otherwise my instagram lecture is a bid'ah for you going to medina university and getting a bachelor's is a bid'ah then going and getting your master's degree there is a bid'ah as well all of these things would be bid'ah understand what a bid'ah is a bid'ah is anything you add into the fundamentals of islam thinking that it's an integral of Islam and you will be rewarded for it. Or the leaving of it, you will be questioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it. So let me say that again, a bid'a is something that you add into the fundamentals of Islam, considering it to be an integral, and that if a person does it, they will get rewarded. And if a person leaves it, they will get questioned and punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Things that people utilize to facilitate, to grow their connection to Allah is not considered a bid'a. So I'll give you an example. Uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't have Instagram lives. He didn't sit there and give these lectures. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't have uh, weekend courses. The Prophet Sallallahu didn't teach classes, didn't give degrees. The Prophet didn't give quote-unquote ijazas, right? This, this wasn't common. I mean, you can argue and say that the Prophet Sallallahu had an ijazah system or whatever. But there's, there's no doubt that the Prophet didn't have a seven-year alim course, the Prophet didn't have a bachelor's or a master's or a PhD program. So why is that not bid'ah? Why is it only bid'ah when a person uses a tazbir? Why does that turn into bid'ah? When a person has a mechanism to do their dhikr, that is considered bid'ah. But when you have a bar to study your knowledge or education, that isn't considered bid'ah. That doesn't make sense. Uh, if a person decides to do 200 dhikrs of subhanallah and that's what they want to do or they want to do, someone prescribes them 100 Allahu Akbar or 100 la ilaha illallah, you say, well, that's bid'ah is because it's not mentioned in the hadith. But where is it mentioned in the hadith that your curriculum has to have a portion of Ibn Kathir in it or a portion of Al Ma'ani or Laqidatul Wasitiyah? Where is this mentioned in the hadith? Just the way you prescribe these things, not because it's an integral of Islam, but to accomplish a goal, a supportive mechanism for Islam, it doesn't turn into bid'ah. Use your use your intellect a little bit. You know, whenever I go to Saudi and someone uh, uh, throws the bid'ah gun at me, I ask them one question: This little hijab you're wearing, did the Prophet wear it? The red, your, white you're wearing inside, did the Prophet wear it? And they'll come up with the biggest excuses. But the reality is, is that you you, you can't make a, you can't shame other people, right? You can't shame the average struggling Muslim. the The, the majority of Muslims are struggling with their faith. I was just on uh, my my timeline on Twitter and uh, I was just going through these ex-Muslims. And the reality is the majority of the Muslim kids are struggling with few concepts. They're struggling with their sexuality. They're struggling with Islam's uh, uh, approach to sexuality. They're struggling with Islam's rules. They're struggling with the cultural impact Islam has. Um, and they're, they're, they're innately struggling. And while they're struggling these aspects, you're telling them that, hey, the little Islam you're practicing, that's also wrong. You're going to hell for that as well. Bruh, I'm so glad Allah didn't make you appointed as judge or jury on the day of judgment because that Allah made you all jury on the day of judgment, we'd all be in hell. I'm so glad that it is my Allah that will stand as judge, jury, and 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 he and um, prosecutor on the day of judgment. For my Allah is more compassionate than most of us are. Okay, uh, we have one of my friends here, Molana Nafis. Nafis, I think. Nis- Nafis. Uh, he, w- he wanted to recite a nasheed for us, inshallah. So we're going to have him pop on. So I'm going to answer one last question. And then uh, we're going to... um, We're going to uh, have his nasheed. Is it haram to have... I don't know what that... Question was. It sounded stupid. What Sheikh Yasir Qadi said recently on the preservation of the Quran. Okay, so I have looked into that video. I also messaged Shaykh today as well, and I think the Sheikh is gonna give a response. Uh, I do think so. The Sheikh mentioned under the discussion of uh, uh, of the Ahruf, right? That the Quran was revealed in different dialects, and he mentioned that largely the East. Uh, the Eastern scholars have not been able to answer over the years what the Western Orientalists uh, object to. Um, and the second thing he mentioned was that when Muhammad bin Hijab asked him that you have, um, if you have a blank Quran open in front of you, then if I was to tell you to write the Quran down, would you be able to write it down the exact way that was revealed to the Prophet and Shiqiyya asir? avoided answering that question. So let me contextualize this for those, right? And again, this is in no means uh, to take a swipe at anybody, but just uh, for us to um, benefit from the discourse, inshallah. The first thing is, is that uh, over the past thousands of years, 1400 years of Islam, not every scholar is going to answer every objection. They're going to answer the objections that were available in their time. And after their time, if people come up with objections, then that next generation will answer. How can you expect scholars to answer objections in the year 2020 that were never even thought of in the year 1200, right? So they're obliged to answer the objections of their era. That's the first thing. The second thing is Sheikh Yasser mentioned about his struggle with faith uh, when he was in Yale University. Um, and that is the reason why majority nobody goes to secular places to actually become a scholar, right? You don't go to study by uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry to become a scholar because our spiritual sciences come from a spiritual heart. It's, it's a transference from a teacher to a teacher all the way to Rasulullah Now, uh, there's going to be a huge difference between a person— whose teachers never missed the hajjud, never missed their Monday, Thursday fast, uh, did dhikr all the time, prayed, didn't backbite. And another person's teacher who drinks alcohol, uh, fornicates, uh, never prays, and believes the Prophet's a liar. One person is a, te- a person whose teacher is a ashik of Rasulullah sallallahu Loves the Prophet, loves Allah. The other person's teacher hates Allah and hates the Prophet sallallahu So there is going to be a level of negativity that is going to uh, uh, transfer. Uh, in front of the student. That's going to have a spiritual impact. So when the Sheikh mentions that he had a spiritual crisis at that time, uh, it's understood as because that the, the secular system is built to dismantle Quran and Hadith. So though the Sheikh goes there in his later years and he studies in his later years, st- still that it, it, it has an impact for the one, for that student of knowledge who's not grounded uh, in their faith, right? They're not grounded in their faith. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't an answer to everything that a person has. Sheikh Yasser did not mention predominantly any particular objection of the Orientalist. I'm i am not familiar if he did or not, uh, but to my understanding, he didn't, right? Um, so I can't question on a particular objection, but I want to talk about two things. Number one is the concept of sabah Ahruf, that what does it mean by the Quran was revealed in seven letters. And number two was that why didn't the sheikh answer Muhammad Hijab's question of the Quran being open? And why could you not mimic the Quran? Or why could he not write the Quran down in the same way that the Prophet mentioned it? Okay, so now, um, the first thing is, is that the word seven in the Arabic language is not considered a, a definite number. The word seven in the Arabic language is a subjective number, which means like dozens, like a lot. So the Qur'an, in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Qur'an was revealed in different dialects to accommodate the different styles of speaking. So you have an individual, for example, he will say, Water. You have another person who'll say wute. You have another person that says water, right? You'll have different people saying the same word in a different style. You have a person saying you all. You have another person saying y'all. You have another person speaking uh, in, in, in a different manner, right? So you have different approaches, right? Um, in South Africa, for example, uh, when you want to say that, can I borrow? And so in America, we say, can I borrow your pen? Right? Can I borrow your pen? In South Africa, you say, "Borrow me your pen." Borrow me your pen. So it's a. It doesn't. It's. It sounds completely off. But in that whole cultural nation, you have a people who speak differently. So the Quran was revealed in different dialects to accommodate the richness of the word of Allah. And imagine if the Quran only had one dialect to it. That's a basic book, bruh. That's something that even I or you can write. The Quran is a miracle from the beginning of time to the end of times. And the remarkable thing of the Quran is despite it being in so many dialects and so many accents, it's still preserved. It's still intact. It still hasn't changed despite being in all of those different dialects and accents. And that's what makes it remarkable that the speech of God was able to encompass the different dialects of the area era. No no book, in the history of mankind, has been written to accommodate the inner dialects and the and the uh, uh, the, the the inner dialects that exist around no book in history has been able to accomplish this so that's the first thing the second thing is that the sheikh answered that if the quran was open as a blank page he refused to answer that question and and i respect him for that he refused to answer the question that could you write the quran down verbatim well no you cannot and the reason is that there are some verses in the quran that there are additions of words and there are some verses in the quran where there is a subtraction of words for example in in the in in ibn kathir he was a reciter from Makkah Muqarama and the Mus'haf that Uthman had sent to Makkah. He sent about six uh, mushaf, six or seven Mus'hafs around the Muslim world. And some of them varied based on the different recitations of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And Sayyidina Uthman written, whose script that he had written was called the Rasm shumuli which means that it tried its best to encompass all of the dialects. But again, writing it with hand, is the is 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 the prerogative of humankind that's what man does and how can man truly capture the infinite words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's word is so powerful and so unique that despite its alterations meaning that despite its different dialects and dif- despite its different additions or subtractions of the words all of that has been preserved through for 14 centuries. And number two, there is not a single place that it brings a contradiction to either as something that is halal, that was halal, becomes haram, something haram becomes halal. A prophet is Musa somewhere, but in the, another place, it's Isa. On some place, it says 10,000. Another place, it says 100,000. No, there is no criticism like that. Whereas if you open the Old Testament, New Testament, you'll find a ton of them. I hope that answered the question uh, in as brief manner as I could possibly. All right. Nafis, if you're here, Mara Nafis, you can go and request the live. Dr. Feroz, are you here with us? I know I saw your message. I don't know if you're here with us. Oh, mashallah. As-salam, Alaikum. Nice to see you. Asalaamu How are you? Asalaamu Alaikum. How, are you? how, are you? how are you doing, man? Long Al- time. Al-hamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Thank you for coming on. Really excited you, to hear your nasheed. Mashallah, you have your whole backdrop behind you. So what yeah. are you going to be reciting for us today, inshallah?
1: Inshallah, so uh, I'm not Bolana, by the way. <laughs> you didn't graduate from Blackburn? I No, I didn't graduate, no, because what happened was at the end of uh, third year, right, um, all the foreign students had to leave the country.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so unfortunately, I couldn't finish up. May Allah, but, inshallah, uh, put you on the right path and guide you, inshallah. your half is still, right? Alhamdulillah, yes. Uh, so Hafiz sahab, inshallah. That's the inshallah, same. yeah. <laughs> right, so, what are you going to recite for us today?
1: So, So, uh, this is a nasheed that, um I wrote myself, and I actually I composed it myself, and it's in the process of being produced. Um, so, make dua for that, inshallah. Hopefully okay. by hopefully by July, I'll, I'll have the official release for it. You know, awesome. it'll be on Spotify and YouTube awesome. and everything, inshallah. Awesome, inshallah. Yeah. Inshallah. So, this is my this is my own nasheed um, Bismillah. Shall I begin now, or? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so now. Sometimes in life. We cannot see the way Allah has blessed you and me when I walk, talk, and breathe. The way you like is how I'm trying to be, and every day's a gift that I'll take, and everything is yours. I make no mistake now. The truth has come to me oh Allah you're all I need I need your love and mercy close to me I need your blessings close 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 to me I need your love and mercy close to me I need your blessings close 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 to me I try to look at all the signs, they are so clear, how can I deny, when I smile, laugh and cry, the way you like is how I live my life, and every day is new, that I'll explore, and everything you've made, it keeps me close, now the truth has come to me oh Allah you're all I need I need your love and mercy close to me I need your blessings close 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 to me I need your love and mercy close to me I need your blessings close 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 to me yeah Allah Don't let me go astray, cause if I do, I'll never find my way. And yeah, Allah, keep me firm on your deed, it's the only way I'll ever succeed. Now the truth has come to me, oh Allah you yeah. all I need. I need your love and mercy close to me. I need your blessings close, close, close to me. I need your love and mercy close to me. I need your blessings close, close, close
0: to me. Jazakallah As- khair, Hafizah, for that beautiful meshid. May Allah, Allah bless him. accept him, inshallah. Do follow him. And Ameen, uh, we, do exe- uh, we do expect great things to come, inshallah. Really excited, very beautiful words and very beautifully recited. Inshallah, Ameen, I mean, inshallah. keep us in your du'as. And uh, it was very, very beautiful, mashallah. may Allah uh, grow it and accept you, inshallah, and accept all Ameen. your efforts, inshallah. I mean, inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. Take care. Hafizah. Hope to see you Salam. soon, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. alaykum. Wa All right. So. Uh, inshallah uh, we'll start we'll keep this every single week Uh, inshallah from next week I'm going to start a book so that we have a more controlled discussion on a weekly basis inshallah so keep in your du'as and do join in for tomorrow we have diseases of the heart uh, with the Islamic Center of South Bay so do join in for that inshallah assalamualaikum rahmatullah